It's Rick Kettner here, and welcome back to the Startup Vlog. This is episode number six. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to create a minimum viable product, or MVP. This is a key aspect of building any startup where there is a high degree of uncertainty when it comes to what it is that you are building for your customers. And this is very important for reasons that we've hinted at or discussed briefly earlier on in this series. But just as a quick recap, the idea here is to test core assumptions within your startup idea. Now, a common misconception is that a minimum viable product is just about creating a simplified version of your product to get it to market faster in effort to start attracting feedback or something like that. And while that is kind of the goal, it's much more precise to describe the idea as being entirely orchestrated around validating core critical assumptions around your eventual product. So, Rather than just trying to get to the market fast and trying to gather generic feedback, the idea here is to test very specific assumptions of your startup idea and trying to get specific feedback relating to those areas so that you can move forward with greater confidence. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the series, two of the most common assumptions that you're going to want to address come from The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. And in that book, he explains the value assumption and the growth assumption. Now, the value assumption is that at the end of the day, whatever it is that we're bringing to market, be it a product, a service, or an experience, we have an underlying assumption that people are going to value it, that they're gonna care enough to spend money or to sign up or to engage with our business in one way or another. And this is an assumption. Even if there is good reason to believe that it might be successful, maybe there are other products in the marketplace that are relatively similar, at the end of the day, there is still this assumption that people are going to care and that they're going to care enough to spend money or to take some kind of action. The second assumption is the growth assumption. This is very different. This is the underlying belief that we have around how we plan to attract customers to the business because we can have a great product. We might have something that people genuinely care about and do value enough to spend money, but if we don't have a means to get the product in front of them where we can attract new customers to our business in a consistent and predictable way, well, then we don't have a sustainable business. So we have to have something that people truly value and we need to have a way to grow the business by attracting customers in a predictable way. And so, as a quick example, you might deep down believe that word of mouth referral is all that you need to attract customers, or you might be planning on using Facebook ads or Google ads or content marketing or public relations or all kinds of other strategies. But at the end of the day, these are this, this is premised on an assumption that these things are going to work and they may not. So with these things in mind, and there are other assumptions that you are going to want to test as well, but we want to design an MVP, a minimum viable product that can validate these ideas early before we spend a lot of time, energy, or money building out the complete product that we plan to bring to the market. Because an all too common scenario is that entrepreneurs that are dead set on their idea go out and they build something elaborate, they spend a bunch of time and money on doing so only to find out late in the game or relatively late in the game that customers either don't care or they aren't able to get it in front of customers in a cost-effective manner. And that's another point that's worth mentioning is just because you can bring customers to your business doesn't necessarily mean that you can do so profitably. You need to be able to generate sales for less than you're actually profiting on a per sale basis, which may be obvious, but at the same time, that's 
another point worth noting. Now, a great example, a picture-perfect example of an MVP strategy comes from the book Sprint by Jake Knapp. And in that book, I believe it's from that book, uh, there's the story of Zappos and how they went about testing. And now that I think about it, it might actually be from the lean startup by Eric Reese. But either way, Zappos really early on, they set out to test their business idea before making a huge financial commitment. Now, you have almost certainly heard of the company Zappos, a very famous online shoe retailer. Amazon bought them a number of years back for a a significant sum of money. And in the early days, they didn't know whether or not people would for sure be interested in buying shoes online. That might seem silly today, but at the time, it wasn't entirely clear that people would be willing to buy shoes where sizing can vary substantially, even amongst you know knowing your exact shoe size from pair to pair or from brand to brand, there are some inconsistencies. Of course, there are things around comfort and the feel of shoes. And so with these kinds of factors in mind, it wasn't entirely clear, would people be willing to pay for shoes online only to receive them a week later and possibly be unhappy with them and what would be involved in making that business successful. So rather than just going all in on this idea and setting up elaborate warehousing and stocking a bunch of expensive inventory and setting up logistics and building out all kinds of complicated aspects of the business, including e-commerce, well, instead what they did is they went to their local shoe stores, they talked with the managers there, and they simply asked them, can we take pictures of your existing inventory, post them on our website, if somebody is interested in the shoes, we will come back to your store and we will pay full retail price to buy those shoes so that we can send them to the customer. Now, I don't know the specifics about exactly what they mentioned to the managers, but That was the general premise. They were gonna source their shoes from existing stores, they were gonna pay full price and just simply ship them out to the customer. Now this might seem like a horrible business solution, but of course the premise here wasn't in creating a profitable transaction, it was in creating a very simple version of the business that they could use to test the idea without spending a bunch of time, energy, or money. So they took these pictures, they put them up on a very simple e-commerce website, nothing too complicated. They didn't have to worry about managing a bunch of sizes or a bunch of inventory. They could just simply post pictures and then as orders trickled in, they could go get the shoes, ship them out to the customer and then get a sense for you know the return rate and other things like this that they would need to understand in order to better validate the overall business principle. Because as you might assume, there's going to be some level of customers that send the shoes back needing a different size, or perhaps they weren't the right fit. All of these kinds of things could be figured out before they set up complex logistics and warehousing by simply creating this kind of an MVP. So that is a picture-perfect example of how a company can take a huge area of uncertainty and without spending too much time or money, they can begin to validate the core assumptions of the business and get a better sense of whether or not they can move forward. Now, of course, Zappos is a successful company today, so it did work out, but you can imagine a scenario in which they conducted this test only to find out that no, people were not interested in buying shoes online. And if that were the case, they would have saved a huge amount of wasted time, energy, and money by finding this out 
early. So that is the premise. Now, when it comes to crafting your own minimum viable product, one of the very best places to focus is on the surface. As recommended in Sprint by Jake Knapp, you want to focus on solving the surface first. And in this case, the surface refers to the point at which your customer interacts with your business, because generally speaking, this is where the greatest amount of uncertainty lies. Now, going back to the Zappos example, there isn't a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the ability to warehouse inventory and to set up logistics and to put together all these processes. I mean, there's a lot of complexity there, but there's not a lot of uncertainty. You know that if there is customer demand, you can set up these systems, you can get everything up and running. So you don't really have to worry about those things when it comes to make or break for the business. You know that can be done. So instead, you want to focus on the areas of uncertainty. And by focusing on the surface where the customer actually engages with your business, this is one of the most powerful ways to identify points of uncertainty because you never know how people are going to react to your product or how they're going to use your product or depending on exactly what you sell, this is an area where often there is going to be a high degree of uncertainty. So as discussed in Sprint, you want to identify the most important surface interactions between the customer that you plan to serve and your business. And in the case of Zappos, it was browsing the website. It was going through the inventory, selecting the shoes, and ultimately deciding whether or not to place an order for shoes online. It didn't matter if the company had back-end logistics. As a customer, you were simply interacting with the website, and that was, for all intents and purposes, the surface of the company from the customer's perspective. So you want to identify where that surface lies for your business. For example, if you're selling almost anything else online, there's likely an opportunity to simply create an online website that sells the product or service as if it already exists. So even before you create or build a prototype or do anything like that, you can create what is effectively an online brochure to advertise the product as if it already exists. You can drive paid traffic to that website through Facebook ads or Google ads, and you can start to get a sense of whether or not people are interested in what it is that you plan to build. And if you do go this route, of course, when somebody clicks the buy button or the order button, you can simply take them to a second page that says, sorry, the product is not currently available, but if you enter your email address here and click submit, we'll notify you when it is available. So that way your advertising dollars aren't wasted. People can come to the website, they can express interest by clicking your buy button. And of course, you can track the number of people that do so. And then some portion of those people will submit their email address. So you can follow up with them as well. This is a very powerful way to start on the surface and get a sense for whether or not people are going to be willing and interested to engage with your business. Now, let me just say, I am not following best practices when it comes to building an MVP for the product that I am building. As a quick reminder, I'm focused on helping parents understand how to raise kids to be more successful in an unpredictable world. And the very first product that I'm building is a book that contains the ideas and insights on how to do so more effectively. Now, in an ideal world, when it comes to the MVP approach, what I should probably be doing is teaching the content live, getting a better sense for what does and does not resonate with parents, or alternatively, writing shorter form content like articles or a blog or something like that so I can get more rapid feedback about the ideas and the insights that I'm planning to present without having to put together the complete book, which of course is a fairly substantial time investment. But 
As I mentioned, I am not following best practices when it comes to this approach. Instead, what I've opted to do is engage in early customer conversations as a primary means for getting answers when it comes to the value and the growth assumption. And while that data isn't perfect, it does at least give me confidence to move forward and work on the very first draft of the book. And then what I'm going to be doing is treating that first complete draft as my MVP. So it will take more time, more energy to bring it to market, but A, I've conducted early customer conversations, and B, once I have that first draft, I am going to be using beta readers to gather additional feedback and to get the opinions of other people out there to make sure that I'm conveying ideas in a way that resonates with people, that makes sense, and in a way that they can easily integrate into their lives. And so that is kind of a more powerful feedback mechanism that I'm going to be relying on. Now, in my defense, this is a project that I would engage with regardless of whether it was going to be commercially successful. But with that said, of course, I still want the book to be really useful and I want, of course, it to reach and impact as many people as possible. And so this is one very important reason why feedback is a critical part of the process. So I'm following the formula from Write Useful Books by Rob Fitzpatrick. Patrick. And this, again, is to put together a first draft, to come up with a first version of the product, get it in the hands of beta readers, see how they react to it, and then improve and iterate. And I think deep down, that is what is most important about the MVP model. Number one, you want to make sure that you are gathering feedback early and often. So for me, early customer conversations, and then a little bit later in the game once my first draft is done through beta readership. And then number two, you want to have this mindset of iterating and improving based on the feedback that you're gathering. So the whole point of this, really at the end of the day, is to avoid the all too common mess where as entrepreneurs or creators or anyone else building something that there is no certainty around, well, we wanna avoid the situation where we launch something out in the world after spending months or even years working on it, only to find out that people either don't care or that we could have created a substantially better product had we gathered feedback much earlier. So I'm breaking some of the rules, I'm following a slightly different path, but between these early customer conversations, which for me really addressed the value assumption and the growth assumption in a way that at least gives me confidence to move forward. And then once I have the very first draft of my book put together, I will be able to get a better sense of whether or not I'm delivering on the promise that I'm making to readers, that the content will indeed make sense, it will help them solve the problem and it will do so in a way that for the average reader is very easy to implement. And that is what I'm focused on most. So the formula from Write Useful Books is very much geared around making sure that people care about what you're addressing, that you're addressing that topic effectively, that you're making the content engaging so they go through the entire book. And then of course, you need to present the content professionally and kind of later in the game, have an editor and things like that to make sure that the content is presented in a polished and professional manner. Now, that may or may not apply to what it is that you're building. But again, at the end of the day, the two most important things here are gathering feedback early and often and being willing to iterate and improve along the journey before you release the very first version of your product out to your customers. If you're focused on those two things, you're dramatically more likely to have success than if you just wing it and hope that what it is that you're building will 
resonate with people. But anyway, that is it for this episode. In the very next episode, we're gonna talk about how to make faster startup progress, how to make sure that you're focused on the right things and how to be more productive, how to make better use of your time so that you can move from zero to sustainable business that much faster. That is the focus of the very next episode. As always, if you have any questions or comments, about anything that we covered here or anything that you would like to see addressed in future episodes, let me know down in the comment section and be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so that you don't miss out on future episodes. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to connecting with you once again in the next episode. <laughs>